How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. All right, so thank you for tuning in to Chomping of the Bit. I'm Kyle Edwards, of course. And on this episode, we're going to take a look at Major League Baseball. We are down to the final weekend of their season. So, you know, the season started way back in, like, end of March, I think, spring training started. And then the season got kicked off uh, end of April. And now we fast forward all this and it comes down to the very final weekend in the season. So every team has two games left today and tomorrow. And for the most part, uh, probably to the benefit of baseball, there's actually reasons to watch this weekend because there's still some things that need to be figured out in terms of the playoffs. Of course, that's what every league wants come down to the end of the year. And there's something to play for for teams out there. Nobody wants to watch games that don't matter at the end of the year where some teams are just mailing it in and other teams are just protecting themselves in the playoffs. So I'm going to go through and talk about the races that are still yet to be determined uh, in baseball. And I guess I guess look at the games that are the ones that matter on the schedule. But I also want to talk about since it's coming down to the end of the year, that means it's MVP voting in baseball. So I want to touch on that a little bit because I think baseball, more than any other sport, their MVP talk is a little bit different than other sports. So talk about that. And then I actually found, uh, I believe it was on CBS Sports, where a writer there... Um, actually put out his ballot so i wanted to look at that i picked that one because that one's from like two days ago that was the most recent one i saw but kind of look at that analyze that because i did see a lot of interesting names on the list and and i actually believe that this guy put on there what he valued when looking at mvp so we can talk about that real quickly because that's it that was interesting to me as well but um Let's go ahead and get it kicked off with, uh, I guess we'll look at the National League first, because when comparing the National League and American League, the National League uh, playoff picture is clearer than the American League. When looking at the National League, the only uh, thing yet to be determined is the champion in the National League West, which uh, subsequently means whoever finishes second is the first wild card. So other than that, we know the playoff teams in the National League. It's just that with these two teams, the Giants and the Dodgers, we don't know who's going to be basically the one seed having the best record in the National League and then who's going to be the first wild card team where they will host the wild card game against the 
Cardinals. Yes. So, um, but yeah, National League East, which was a division that was pretty average at best all year. The Braves ended up, because of a hot uh, run late in the year, ended up basically pulling away from the Phillies and the Mets. Well, the Mets, they pretty much collapsed starting like middle probably middle of September or early September they they really started fading off and that's when they had that incident where the Mets fans were booing the team and the team I think they did like that thumbs down thing to the fans or something which turned into a little bit of a story which I mean I mean if the fans aren't liking what's going on which I mean in that case the Mets were uh, I think mixed in with the Phillies and Braves with an actual shot at winning the division, but then their pitching kind of failed on them. The offense went in the tank, and they went on a little bit of a slide, which I mean, consequently matched up with when the Braves started playing better. So Braves pulled away from them, and then the fans kind of let the team know about it. It was odd seeing the players then react back to the fans with the thumbs down thing even though I mean they were the ones who weren't performing on the field but that's neither here nor there so it became just the Braves and the Phillies battling it out and the Phillies are playing kind of just 500 baseball while the Braves like I said were on a hot streak so they ended up fading late but they stuck in there most of the way. So the Braves have already wrapped that division up. I mean, they're playing out the string with their last two games. And they so they're going to play the Brewers in I guess, the divisional round of the baseball playoffs. Um, I mean, I'll break down the uh, matchups in another episode. But we have Braves Brewers. We already know that. So, uh, because of that, the Brewers won the Central, and kind of like an odd year for the Central, the Brewers have 95 wins with a chance to get to 97, because the Central's usually a division where the division winners kind of like around 90 games, usually because the teams are at least like the top three teams in the Central are usually kind of evenly matched and usually finish within a couple of games of each other. But this year, the Brewers had a great year and it looked like they were going to be the only team to come out of that division. But the Cardinals, kind of like the Braves, rode a hot streak late in the year and overtook a few teams that were in the wildcard race. And they, and they cemented themselves as the second wildcard team. So they'll be in. And then, like I said, with the National League West, we know that the number one wildcard team is going to come out of there. We just don't know if it's the Dodgers or the Giants. I mean, if you look at it, the Giants have won 106 games. The Dodgers have won 104. Yet we don't know which one's going to be the division champ. So I just let you know what kind of season those two teams had. 
Um, they're clearly the two best teams in the National League. Uh, we know that the Dodgers have a lot of the big name talent. I mean, you go down the list, you got Betts, uh, Bellinger, Kershaw, um, I mean, David Price, a lot of names you know. And for the Giants, who probably have a couple of guys you might know, I mean, they have Brandon Crawford, who I can think of off the top of my head. But in terms of other players on that team, um, I know Cueto only because I know he went there a couple of years ago and he has that odd pitching motion. But I wouldn't say he's really a big name around baseball. And even Crawford, I don't know how big of a name he is, which once I get into the MVP talk may be a reason why. He may not be higher up on the list, uh, but looking at their roster real quick. Well, they have Chris Bryant. I guess that counts. I mean, he was known on the Cubs, but I don't know how many people maybe know he's on the Giants now. I mean, they have Evan Longoria, who I think was a, he was a bigger name years ago. But that's basically the Giants team right there. And the fact that they've hung with the star-studded Dodgers team, which, if you don't remember, around the trading deadline, the Dodgers ended up getting... They were the ones who got Scherzer, right? So they had a stacked team already and then bolstered it with probably the best free agent pitcher that was available probably in the past couple of years in Scherzer. And the Giants were able to continue to play well hold them off and now with two games left their magic number is one if they get one more win then they win the division the Dodgers go into that uncertainty of the one game uh, wild card playoff game which I mean they should win easily because they're going to be head and shoulders above Cardinals record wise could be like a 15 game difference but as we know in baseball especially in playoff baseball and especially when you're looking at just a one game uh, little series between two teams anything can happen on any day and with the way the Cardinals have played late who's to say the Cardinals couldn't knock off either the Giants or the Dodgers and then really uh you know, turn the tables on what the baseball playoffs will look like. I'm sure if you ask most people, National League, they're already penciling in. They'll probably pencil in the Dodgers first because of their playoff experience from the past few years, as well as the players that they have. I think I was naming Dodgers players. I didn't even name Mookie Betts or whatever. But they'll go with the more stacked name recognition team. So the Dodgers are probably the number one choice by most you know writers and fans Giants would most likely be second only because they had such a great year and the Giants are just that weird organization where um, if you've been following baseball for like the last decade and a half or so the Giants are so weird that they'll be a playoff team one year and then the following year they'll completely fall off then the very next year, they're a playoff team. I don't know how they do it because it seems like for a roster 
especially in baseball, most rosters are pretty much the same for a couple of years stretch to have those violent swings of being really good, make the playoffs, and then so bad that you looked at as one of the worst teams in the National League, only to turn around and be able to get right back up into the playoff race next year. It's fascinating to see, but... Um, but apparently this is a good year for the Giants. And so yeah, so but the final game's left. All we need to see is who wins the National League West and then who plays the Cardinals in that one game wild card. That that's the only thing yet to be determined in the National League. Um and like I said, once the season is over and we get the actual playoff matchups then we can analyze we'll have to analyze the wild card games first and then the actual playoff series is in we'll, I'll do the whole breakdown in another episode but we'll take a look at the American League and like I said the American League there's more to be determined even though it's basically the only the wild card race that's still the only thing we don't know but what just two games left we have four teams trying to get two spots so that that race is what's really carrying this final weekend for baseball because yeah you know Giants Dodgers sure I guess one wins the division the other's a wild card but we already know who's in the playoffs so it's not really that important which one wins what but American League four teams two spots and what makes it even better for baseball is that you have Yankees and Red Sox involved in it. So there's a chance that after these two days, the dust settles, you get a scenario where uh, Yankees and Red Sox win the two wild card spots. They play the wild card game, which will be a great uh, rating grab for the league. But then think of this scenario. You have... Maybe like the Blue Jays get one of the spots. And with that, you bring in the star power of Vlad Guerrero Jr., which I'm sure baseball would love. This episode is made possible by PwC. Invest in a cooler future and be part of the climate solution. Critical challenges require critical thinking. And that's why ESG is part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Love to see him in a playoff setting where you know more eyes are drawn to them because there's less games they're all spread out so all the fans are watching one game at a time and then you have the Yankees Red Sox tie for the second wild card which then brings in game 163 between the two of them where both of them are playing to get the second wild card spot which if that happens that would probably be the best thing for baseball because that would create even more intrigue but um, but yeah so and then looking at the four teams that are still left because you also have the Mariners which I didn't mention but so you give Yankees Red Sox Blue Jays Mariners two teams out of that get the wild card spots and they've all had pretty interesting years which I think adds even more into the intrigue because the Yankees, we all remember, they started off the year where 
Well, I guess the Yankees and Red Sox story is kind of tied into each other in an odd way. Because the, Yan- the Red Sox had that weird start where they got swept, I believe, by the Orioles in the opening, uh, their first three games of the season. And of course, you know, everybody knew that that was an anomaly for the Orioles and they were going to be a bad team. So a lot of people were writing off the Red Sox right after that. They then turn around and I think they won like nine in a row after that. And then it became what kind of team are they? They rode that out, get to the trade deadline. And some people think they needed to do more than what they did. Uh, Their basic move was they got Schwarber. That was their biggest move with a couple of pitchers sprinkled in who were kind of cast offs from other teams. Then they hit a slide right after the trade deadline. And then it became, you know, after their great start, could this be a team that doesn't even make the playoffs? Because before the trade deadline, I think they were on pace for like a hundred and something wins. Hit the slide. It looks like they won't even make the playoffs. Then, like the team ends up getting wiped out through uh, COVID, but the team somehow manages it and plays well during that battle, mainly because the schedule lightened up, but either way, they still got wins there. And it became, uh, it kind of seemed like they were going to be a lock for the first wildcard team. Then they hit another slide, which was kind of capped off with their last series against the Orioles where you know most people thought well actually go to the series before that with the Yankees where they got swept so then um, it really looked like they were going to miss the playoffs then it was you know they had the Orioles right after that so people thought okay they could kind of bounce back sweep that series and, and be fine they end up losing two of three and once again, people were questioning whether they'll make the playoffs. But then they just played the Nationals uh, was last night, got a big win, which uh, I think they lucked out because the Jays and the Mariners lost last night. So now it looks like they'll probably get in because they just need one win to solidify at least a wild card spot. Where I say that ties in with the Yankees, the Yankees started off poorly. And, you know, a lot of people wrote them off pretty early because it looked like they were going to miss the playoffs, probably have a terrible year. People were, you know, looking at Brett Boone. No, that's not Brett Boone. Aaron Boone's there. I don't know why I didn't know that because we all know Aaron bleeping Boone. But um, it looked like he was going to get fired midseason. They ride it out with him. They start playing a little bit better, getting around to the trade deadline. They go out and make a bunch of moves. They get uh, Anthony Rizzo, who was tied into the Red Sox as well. That's why I said the two stories are kind of intertwined. They get Rizzo. They get uh, Joey Gallo. But they don't really do anything pitching-wise, which was kind of seen as their weakest point. But I think to the Yankee management... You know, they had Judge Stanton, but the offense wasn't doing that well. So they just went offense. Then they take off after the trade deadline, make a run, 
end up catching the Red Sox. You know, they overtake them after, I think before the deadline, the Red Sox were in first place. But the Rays were right there, like a couple of games back. And the Yankees are, were like 10 games back. Make that up. Overtake them, like I said. Look locked in to the first wild card spot. And kind of held it there for most of, you know, I think they got there like middle or like early September is when they finally kind of made it over the hump. Got like a couple of game lead on the Red Sox. And it looked like they were going to be the number one wildcard team. Fast forward now, two games left. They still are the number one wildcard team, but they're only a game up on the Red Sox. And they're two games up on the Blue Jays and Mariners, I believe. Yeah, Blue Jays and Mariners are both two games back. So they can't feel comfortable because they're also playing the Rays this weekend. And the Rays took game one last night from them. So if the Rays were to sweep the Yankees, then we could have a crazy scenario where which is still possible that all four of these teams could end up with the same record at the end. And then at that point, I don't even know how they would determine who plays who for game 163. I mean, because it's baseball, I'm assuming it would be like some coin flip or something. I, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, so that's where we are with the Yankees and the Red Sox. Yeah, the Blue Jays, who... Probably the most exciting team out of the four. And it's mainly because of Vlad Guerrero Jr. If you haven't seen the Blue Jays play, he plays literally like his dad did. Where there's no pitch that you can throw to him that he won't think that he can hit out of the park. And on several occasions, he's done it this year. So he's a clear leader of that team. And as he goes, the rest of that lineup falls in line and they'll perform right behind him because there's some guys on there. Um, what's his name? Tay, Tay Oscar Hernandez. Once again, it's, it's kind of a team with not a lot of big names, but it's only because a lot of them are younger players. So they're kind of building their name right now. But there's also a team full of uh, like their fathers played in the league and you probably know them and now like all their sons somehow managed to be on the Blue Jays roster because you have Bo Bichette you know Dante Bichette I always this guy's name is I think it's Kevin how he pronounces it Biggio which is uh, Craig Biggio's kid I just said Guerrero Jr which is Vlad Guerrero's son and then there's another guy. Oh. I guess those are the three big ones. But then there's other. Uh, well, Marcus Simeon, who's had a pretty good year. George Springer, which you know from the Astros with all their mess that they had. But yeah, they're, they're a pretty young team. Although Springer's like 32, but... I guess for him, I thought he was younger than that. I was kind of surprised to see, to see that he was 32. Semyon's 31, but, you know. 
But Bichette, 23. Biggio, 26. Guerrero is only 22. Think about that. And he has like 40. I would say 45. But he has 46 home runs. And he's only 22. So think how good Guerrero Jr. is going to be as he gets a little older. And maybe he becomes a little more disciplined around the plate. I mean, he's not a wild swinger, but there are some times you can catch him uh, swinging up pitches way off the plate. So maybe not maybe uh, if he becomes more selective, I'll say. Then who knows what his numbers could be. Um, But yeah, so you have the Blue Jays who I guess in that division, it's been the Rays as the number one team in that division all year. Yankees, Red Sox get a lot of attention. Blue Jays have flown under the radar, even though Guerrero Jr., like I said, is an up-and-coming megastar in this league, which probably speaks more to baseball's overwhelming issue that they've had forever, at least as long as I can remember, of being able to promote young stars. Because I feel like unless you are a diehard baseball fan and I'm talking about like outside of Toronto I don't know how much you really pay attention to what Guerrero Jr. is doing is doing this year of course Toronto fans they know all about it and to them they probably believe he's the MVP which once again I'll get to after in a little bit here but um so think of this they could have probably the best player in the division Guerrero Jr., but somehow slid under the radar. And with that, they may end up finishing fourth in the division and missing the playoffs. But because of the three teams ahead of them right now, they could end up as like a 90, 90, 91 win team missing the playoffs, which I believe most years, 91 would probably get you a wild card spot. And it still might, because like I said, they're only a game behind the Red Sox, who have the second wildcard spot right now. Then you look at the Mariners. I got to be honest, the Mariners are a team that don't pay a lot of attention to. I mean, like as a kid, I was a big Ken Griffey Jr. fan. So if the Mariners were on TV, I'd watch for him. Then when the Mariners had Ichiro, and Ichiro was fun to watch, you'd watch them then. But now recently, since Ichiro's gone, the Mariners have been, they've kind of been that team that would make uh, uh, like a free agency splash, signing some guy to some big contract, and they would start off the year pretty good and then fade by midseason and kind of fall into that group with the Angels and uh, yeah, kind of like the Angels and the Rangers where they're not really competitive late in the year. You know, those days when they had like Robinson Cano as their big signing when they got him from the Yankees, but nothing really came of it. So now you look to this year where it was kind of the same way. They started off pretty hot. 
but I think this year they actually were more consistent longer. So they stayed uh, kind of close to the Astros a lot of the year. But ultimately, the Astros ended up winning that division. And the Mariners kind of fell in the wildcard race. They were like four, I think they were like four or five games out a couple of weeks ago. But like I said, the Yankees and the Red Sox kind of started playing 500 ball or a little worse than that. And the Mariners hit a little bit of a winning streak, which then vaulted them up the wildcard standings to now where they're just a, a couple of games behind Yankees and one behind the Red Sox. So they could easily slip in, get one of the spots that the Yankees or Red Sox lose these next two games how powerful is cox internet so powerful that one day your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard get gig speeds powered by fiber from cox it's internet built for tomorrow today Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. And the Mariners are another team that if I were to ask you, who's the best player on the, on the Mariners? Would you know? I mean, only because they uh, only because they played the Red Sox. Let me see. When did they play the Red Sox? I think they played the Red Sox like a couple of. What did I just do here? They played them like a couple of series ago that I know their best player, I believe, was Hanniger. But he's not a known guy around the league at all. And that's about it. There's nobody else. Kyle Seeger. Only because he was with the Dodgers, but that's it. And somehow they've turned that into the opportunity to possibly win a wildcard spot. did something here didn't know what I was doing okay but yeah so that's your wild card race and then if you look at the division winners they've all comfortably won their divisions the Rays the White Sox won the Central I thought the Indians are gonna well I guess the final year to call them the Indians because they have a new name next year. Can't remember what the new name is off the top of my head, but anyway, White Sox won that division easily, and then the Astros won the West. 
they're one about like four or five games. So like I said, final two games, you have Yankees playing the Rays. So the Rays, even though they have it locked up, they can they will definitely decide the wild card race. The Red Sox are playing the Nationals, which I think is kind of a weird scheduling quirk where the Red Sox are playing a National League team to end their season. I guess baseball kind of dropped the ball there. Think if the Red Sox were playing like the Blue Jays to end the year, how crazy that would have been. But the Mariners are playing the Angels and the Blue Jays. Where are the Blue Jays ending their season with? Hold on a second. Let me see. Blue Jays are playing. I think the Blue Jays have any. Yeah, Blue Jays are playing Baltimore. That's what I was thinking. So, you figure the Blue Jays should be able to sweep that series. But as we saw uh, last series with the Red Sox, don't know. Maybe the Orioles sneak in one, which you know, could hurt the Blue Jays' chances. But the Blue Jays need to sweep that series to have a shot. Mariners have the Angels. Angels have nothing to play for, so you would expect them to sweep that one. Like I said, once it's all settled, we'll go ahead and go over the the playoff matchups to see who I think will win, whatever. So now, transition from that to the, the uh, MVP talk. So just based off of that, like I said, found this guy, CBS, uh, CBS Sports, what's his name? Matt Snyder. And to me, if you're going to be an MVP, I feel like because of your value, which is what the V stands for, your team should, I think, be a playoff team or at least with these final two games they should be within reach of a playoff spot I think to be an MVP candidate because you know if let's say like like I said Guerrero Jr um, let's say they miss the wild card by like a game they end up winning 91 games missed out by a game I can say Guerrero was valuable you win 90 plus games in the, in baseball you're normally a playoff team so I can I can live with that. Um, but yeah, like I said, if you're a playoff team, I would think that you would have somebody who could be an MVP candidate. Unless you're just maybe like the Rays, only because the Rays don't spend a lot of money. So they have a lot of kind of, I don't want to say like middle class talent that they somehow get to come in and play well enough together that maybe there's not a big name known. I I can live with that. But yeah, so quickly, let's just go through this. Like, let's look at the National League since I started with them with the the playoff talk. This guy has, so looking real quick, the first top three that he has None of these guys are going to make the playoffs or are even going to sniff the playoffs. 
he has Bryce Harper as his MVP right now, which I could have told you at the start of the year, Bryce Harper was a guy that they're going to want to give MVP to. But I mean, the Phillies had their shot in a bad division and are going to end up losing that division by like five, six games. So how valuable was Bryce Harper really? He has Juan Soto. The Nationals are even further back than the Phillies. He has Tatis Jr., who I think before the season started, I probably would have told you would have been an MVP only because they brought in so many guys out there. I thought the Padres were going to be good this year. But as we've seen, uh, if you want to look at the Padres season, what was it like a couple of games ago? There was that uh, fight in the dugout between he and Machado. That's your Padres season in a nutshell right there where a guy like Machado which as a Red Sox fan can't stand Machado from all his days in Baltimore and then he went to the Dodgers and that World Series matchup between Red Sox and the Dodgers couldn't stand Machado even more then and then coming out of that it was basically him telling well, putting Tatis in his place because of some play on the field. If Machado's the dude telling you to do better, I mean, what's going on there? So, the Padres, who are probably the most disappointing team in baseball this year, he has that guy as third in his ballot. Not until you get to number four, Paul Goldschmidt, do you get a guy on a playoff team on his ballot. And just looking at those four, I would give it to Goldschmidt over the other three because Goldschmidt was pivotal in the Cardinals turning around their year and making that run to the wild card. But he has him fourth, and then he has Trey Turner of the Dodgers, which I guess I can understand because the Dodgers have a probably, well, he has Muncie on this list from the Dodgers, so those two probably knocked each other down a little bit. But then the guy who I could hear the argument probably should be the MVP, Brandon Crawford, who, as I said, is the best player on that Giants team. The Giants that will have the possibly the best record in the National League. But somehow this guy has him sixth on the list. And I, I just don't get it. And then he rounds it out with uh, Freddie Freeman. I guess you could say best play on the Braves, but I wouldn't say the Braves are worthy of an MVP candidate. Uh, Muncie, like I said, eight. Tyler O'Neill, I don't even know who that is, but he's on the Cardinals. He has him ninth. Then he has a dude from the Pirates as number 10, which Pirates were terrible this year. But yeah, so look at that. Harper one, Soto two, Tatis three. Which, if you told me this was before the season, those are the three he had, I'd be fine with it. But coming out to the end of the year, no. It should be... I would would have said Crawford won. I would have gone Goldschmidt two. And I probably would have picked a Dodger. I probably could live with Freeman being three. Only because the Dodgers are such a stacked team. They have a number of guys contributing. I I can live with not giving one of them MVP, but yeah, I'd go Crawford one. So in American League, he has 
Um, Otani winning the MVP. Which I already knew that was going to happen. Because we've seen it every year where Trout is the um, you know clear-cut MVP. These guys do not care about playoff positioning at all when it comes to these people. And then Otani, you really captured baseball with his whole... Um, what he does at the plate, he hit 40-plus home runs. I think he stole like 20-something bases and all that. But then he was pitching this year as well. Although I think he pitched... What was it? He pitched on like extended rest, so he doesn't have as many starts as other pitchers. But when you see him pitch, he throws like... He has like a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. He can throw... You know, change up and all that kind of stuff. So he's dynamic on the mound and at the plate. And I think because of that dynamic, he was vaulted as the clear-cut MVP from early on in the season. But I think the question has to be asked, though. Just like with Trout, who didn't miss time this year, so I guess it would have been interesting to see if the two of them played together all year where the Angels would be. But the Angels are where the Angels normally are. They win like 75, 78 games, are well out of playoff races, but somehow they have the MVP every year. And my overwhelming question is, when does the value translate to team success? And I get it. It's kind of weird with baseball because, yes, it's a team sport, of course. But I think baseball, more than any other sport, It's a team sport built around many individual moments. So, Otani, if he plays in the field, which I don't even think he did that often, but if he does play in the field, he can only control, um, I guess, defensively when a ball's hit to him. If the ball doesn't get hit to him, there's not really much he can do. And then at the plate... He's only up there once every nine uh, times at bat on his team. So if he goes up there and gets a double or something, he can't control what the guy behind him does and whether they drive him in or not. Only thing he can control is when he's at the plate, if he doesn't hit it out, then there's no guarantee he's going to score. And then... I guess when he's pitching, he's kind of more in control, of course, because he's the guy determining how the other team does at the plate. So, I don't know. It's a weird dynamic. Because, to me, when I look at guys like Trout and Otani, I kind of compare them to Bonds. Which I know Bonds has the whole steroid thing, blah, 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 whatever. But... We remember those teams in the Giants where Bonds was the clear big-name guy in the lineup, and it got to the point where teams were walking him almost every time he came into the plate just to avoid the damage he could do with his bat. And that doesn't happen with Otani and Trout. They do get walked some, but not on the level of like Bonds. But yet... It seemed like Bonds got those teams into the playoffs. 
So am I missing something? Like, how come it's not happening now with Otani? Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. I mean, I guess the easiest answer would be those Bonds teams had better players around them. So I guess that's probably the most obvious answer, probably the correct one. But it's just it's just weird when you attach the word valuable to the award. Like as great as you are, then how like how valuable is it if your team isn't good? That's my question. Because if you took Otani off the Angels, they'd miss the playoffs. But you have Otani on the Angels, they miss the playoffs. I mean, they would have missed it by more without him, but they still miss the playoffs. So what's valuable? Just the question I'm throwing out there. But real quickly, looking at the guys, the rest of the ballot, you have Guerrero Jr., like I said. I can live with that. Now, weirdly enough, for the American League, he has teammates as two and three. Guerrero Jr. and Simeon from the Blue Jays. National League, he kind of... Who are the teammates? Yeah, Turner and Muncie, he put like five and eight. So I was assuming that because they were teammates, they kind of knocked each other down his list. And the same thing with Goldschmidt and O'Neill from the Cardinals were four and nine. But here he has two and three from the Blue Jays. So I guess that would lead you to believe the Blue Jays. You would think with that, the Blue Jays would probably be in the race position, but they're not. But at least they're still fighting for a playoff spot here. Then out of the blue, he's got Cedric Mullins from the Orioles. Orioles are historically bad, but Mullins is number four. He has Perez, who I will say has had a great year with the Royals, but the Royals are bad again. Then it gets down to number six where he has Aaron Judge from the Yankees. Which, I mean, I think with the way their season went, you'd have to pick somebody off that team. And then from watching the Yankees... Judge would be the obvious choice unless you're going to go well I was about to say unless you went pitcher and went Garrett Cole but I find it hard arguing for a pitcher as an MVP when you pitch once every five days so um, Olsen from the Athletics they missed the playoffs Ramirez from Cleveland in a division that was there to be had 
they fell way off in the in that race. Correa from the Astros, okay. And then Devers from the Red Sox at number 10. If you just want to play the numbers game, if you look at Devers, he's hit like 35, 36 home runs, has like 110 RBIs, and that's good enough for 10th. Interesting. But, but yeah, so American League, I would have gone Guerrero Jr. Probably is number one. I feel like I feel like Devers has been getting I feel like Devers being 10th on this guy's list is pretty disrespectful. I mean, I don't know if there's some bias, but if I look at the Red Sox and and I had to pick a guy who who I think is kind of the pulse of that team, I would pick Devers. I mean, He's probably been the best offensively at the plate outside of Schwarber because I I would be interested to see Schwarber a full year with the Red Sox, what he would look like because in his time there, he's been great at the plate. But Devers has been there all year, so I'd, I'd give it to Devers. Um, so I'd probably go Devers second. I mean, the only way I would knock Devers down is if you wanted to, you know, uh, put Bogarts up there. Because Bogarts may not have the power numbers. I think Bogarts has hit like 25 home runs, but he hits for better average than Devers. And defensively, he's better than Devers. But, but I think Devers outweighs that with his production at the plate. And then I probably would have had Judge third. You know, it's tough as a Red Sox fan to give any Yankee any credit, but, you know. And then I'd probably go with Simeon fourth because he's had a great year with the Blue Jays as well. And that's where I would have stopped. So I guess for me, I put more when it comes to value on team success as well, even though, like I said, in a sport, there's probably the least influential for a player to team success than any other major sport because of the uh, the way the game's played basically since it's not constant action between everybody it diminishes uh, the amount you have on production like if you look at basketball you have five guys on the court you're playing offense and defense simultaneously up and down the floor all game. I mean, yeah, you go out for a breather and come back in, but the stars in basketball play like 30, 30, 35 minutes and lead the team in scoring and that kind of stuff and have a direct line into wins and losses. Football. I guess football is kind of the closest comparison to baseball. Although, when you watch football, the great players in football, you can clearly see their influence on the game. Like I said, whereas in baseball, you just it's just not there for them. And then on down the line. So, it's weird for baseball, and baseball is... 
the league that cares so much about numbers. Whereas for me, I like eye test and eye test works for most other sports, but somehow for baseball, they really stick to numbers. And all right, so let's see. I guess real quickly. So this guy puts on here, which I give him credit. He's like the things he cares about individual performance. Isn't that what I said? That's every baseball writer cares about individual performance. Although sneakily, well, that's not even a word, but I guess my sneaky conspiracy behind that is they only care about individual performance because baseball does such a terrible job at promoting stars that this is kind of the only way that they can do it. And since a lot of the big name players are on teams that stink sometimes, I will say, the only way they can justify them being an MVP talk is they have to look at their individual performance. Because, you know, if baseball was doing it right, Bryce Harper would be in commercials. Guerrero Jr. would be in national commercials. Uh, Tatis, Soto, Devers, uh, Judge, all these guys would be in national commercials. They'd be in your face all the time. They're not. So to a casual casual baseball fan, they see these names on an MVP ballot and they'd probably have to go to ESPN to look up their stats or look up what team they're on. And then yeah, that that was that's literally the only thing he cares about, individual performance. And it's like I said, he says the same thing. With baseball being a team sport, a hitter only gets to the point gets to the plate once every nine spots, so it's tough. And a defender can only make plays when the ball's hit at them. And then the things he doesn't care about, which clearly you can understand where this is going. If you care about individual performance, you're probably not going to care about team success. And what does it say? Things he doesn't care about. He does not put too much emphasis on team performance. So that in a nutshell is baseball for you. And I, and oddly, I think that's probably leading to the downfall of baseball. Don't promote their stars. And you want to talk about diminishing a regular season. If you're going to give its top award to guys on teams that perform poorly. Hey, that's baseball for them. But, um, there's a good point to end this episode. Like I said, after these couple of games this weekend, I will take a look at the playoff picture in baseball and go over that. And I guess I'll give you predictions on World Series matchup and who I think will win it all this year. All right. So then, of course, going forward, which I like to do. Um, so the next episode, of course, will be the look at the rest of week four in the NFL. I have to give you the rest of my picks as well as look at those games and give you quick little analysis of what to look for in each matchup. So to do that, then 
what else is there? There's something else I want to talk about. Hold on a second. Ben Simmons, yes. I have to talk about Ben Simmons. And with NBA preseason starting on Sunday, there's a game Sunday, and then kind of really gets kicked off Monday. I think it's as good of a time as any to talk about Ben Simmons and his little situation with Philadelphia. So we'll talk about that. Um, I may actually talk a little bit about college football because after the first couple weeks, there weren't a lot of good matchups that really warranted me talking about college football. This weekend, there's actually a few matchups that are going to have an effect on the playoffs. So I'll talk about that as well, which I think I'll tie into the whole college football playoff talk. Because uh, I believe that the people with the power in college football are supposed to be meeting at some point about playoff expansion, or they already did, But so we'll talk about that. Uh, what else? What else? What else? May work in some WNBA talk because they are in their playoffs currently. So, plenty of topics to come. I mean, if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead, like, subscribe, all that. Uh, drop a comment as well. I'd like to hear feedback from you guys. Um, you can follow um, the show, myself, on Twitter, at Chompin' Podcast. You can go there. Leave your comments on episodes as well, because I do actually put the episodes on Twitter there. Uh, let me know what you think there suggestions for topics all that you can definitely let me know critique the show I don't care um, what else? have a YouTube channel up it's not a video podcast yet I have to keep saying that working towards that but um, you can still get the episodes there as well so if you prefer listening on YouTube subscribe to my YouTube channel uh, it's Kyle Edwards. Just go to my channel. All the episodes are there. And you can do the same there. Subscribe to the channel there. Comment under the videos. All that. So. Yeah. That was a lot. But um, with that, I just got to say, have a good one out there. Enjoy your weekend. Because you will be getting this. It, be Saturday, so enjoy your weekend. Uh, God bless, and I'll catch you in the next episode. All right, I'm out. Introducing Carvana Value Tracker, where you can track your car's value over time and learn what's driving it. It might make you excited. Whoa, didn't know my car was valued this high. It might make you nervous. Uh-oh, market's flooded. My car's value just dipped 2.3%. It might make you optimistic. Our low mileage is paying off. Our value's up. And it might make you realistic. Mm, car prices haven't gone up in a couple weeks. Maybe it's time to sell. But it will definitely make you an expert on your car's value. Carvana Value Tracker. Visit Carvana.com to start tracking your car's value today.